0: Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash iFanboy today to get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H E
1: L P.com slash iFanboy. This is iFanboy Media Splode, episode 44, ranking the best picture nominees. ticket to anywhere maybe we make a deal maybe together we can get somewhere any place is better starting from zero got nothing to lose maybe hello welcome to my fanboy media explode my name is Connor kilpatrick and i'm here with josh lanigan hey there and ron richards uh, happy new year Still? Happy New
0: Year, everybody. <laughs> yeah, sure, why not? Yeah. I like how that was clearly, like, the very last thing that
1: came to your mind. It was like, <laughs> exactly. Happy New Year. And then it was the quick, like, uh, inventory Wait. of, all right, okay, it's not so bad. <laughs> when, when can you stop saying that?
2: Uh, I mean, ideally, I think January 15th is really, yeah, like, Martin, I think like, we're, like, MLK, like, around there. That's so like, you're, like, three but,
1: weeks late on that. Yeah,
2: exactly. But, you know, I haven't talked to you guys since the holidays,
0: so. It's, it's fair <laughs> we just talked three days ago I, I, like yesterday
1: <laughs> 48 hours ago
0: <laughs> when he said that though i just accepted it
1: like, <laughs> exactly <laughs> You're like yeah okay <laughs> so this is the I fanboy Media's Blood show unlocked by the patrons at patreon.com slash ifanboy thanks for patrons and thanks for being patrons and if you ever thought of being one please consider today This is our monthly show in which we talk about non-comic book media as opposed to our regular podcasts that are all comic-focused over at ifanboy.com. we got a lot to go through today, so let's just jump in. Ron why don't you lead us off with what you've been enjoying since we talked last?
2: Well, it's funny cuz we were in one of the times when we were we were talking recently, uh, Josh, I believe you were lamenting that there's just too much damn stuff to watch on the TV. There's too many damn TV shows. Too many damn TV shows. Um, and I do find myself in that position now or after the dra- the post holiday drought, you know, after catching up on everything we were watching and we were like, you know, we were grasping at straws of things to watch and now I our, our cup runneth over. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but, um, and actually like, I, you know, we're in the midst of a couple of like really, really meaty and really, really good things. Um, first I feel like we gotta, we gotta mention, we just got a drinking game, check the box, whatever, but slow horses continues to be fantastic. We've, we just finished season two, so we're going to start season three soon, oh, but, but we want to, we want to wait a little bit because we want to balance it out until season, you know, cause season four is coming this summer. Right. Anyway. Fantastic show. But in terms of filling in that Perry Mason-shaped hole in our heart, I was delighted to uh, see that AMC has uh, Monsieur Spade. Uh, are either of you watching the show? Or? Yes. Okay, yes. good. Okay, cool.
0: Josh, Josh, have you heard of it? Never that? even heard of it, but I would like to lodge a complaint about your pronunciation of Monsieur.
1: Monsieur Spade.
2: Monsieur Spade. Josh, what if I told you Tom Fontana from okay. Ozfame? fame? Yep. And the guy, Scott, uh, who is it, Scott?
1: Scott Frank. Scott and Barry Frank. And, yeah, Scott well, Frank who did that. It. Yeah, yeah. Was With, it God, it was a
0: Western. He
2: did the Queen's God Gambit, Land? and he did God, did he do Godless? Godless. Yes. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yes. Yeah. He directed every episode. Yeah. Like this. So him
2: right. and he and Tom Fontana have teamed up to do a, the character Sam Spade, made famous by Humphrey Bogart in mm-hmm. the Maltese Falcon film, to tell a story of later in Sam Spade's life, in the you know, it begins in the mid 50s and then the show actually takes place during the early 60s, uh, where uh, Sam Spade has settled down in the French countryside and gets thrown into a, a local, uh, I don't even know, mystery it's a complex as it were.
1: mystery involving the Algerian War, World War II, and yeah. murdered nuns, and code breaking, yeah, exactly. and British spies. Jeez
2: honestly it's fa- so Clive Owen is in the lead role and he's playing Sam Spade and he's doing a wonderful thing and where he's not he's not doing a Bogart impression yet he's inheriting the space of Sam Spade of the character of Sam Spade making it his own but you know but it still feels familiar of the Dashiell Hammett you know kind of like you know like mm-hmm. we know like there's so much Sam Spade in our I mean, I don't know if there is any more, but at least I think. Amongst yeah, I don't us, feel like I'm. I don't feel yeah. like
0: I'm getting it from all sides. Yeah,
2: no, but I mean, but I mean, like growing up with like Bugs Bunny doing it, you know what I mean? Like there was yeah, like yeah, the, yeah. like I it, it, this is one of the great American characters. I know what it is without ever having known what it was. Exactly. You know yeah. what I mean, Connor? What do you think? I, I we've been loving it. It's fantastic. Oh yeah, I mean, I'm really loving it. It's, yeah,
1: it's been coming out in conjunction with the True Detective. Meeting it's on the same night, same time, and there's both six episodes, so you're getting the same Damn. sort of beats, but. Yeah. Clive Owen's a huge brand, uh, Brando Bogart fan. He's a huge uh, Maltese Falcon fan, but he's definitely not doing he's, – he's talked about this, He's not doing an impression, as Ron said. But yeah. he feels like a tough guy from the 40s has now yeah. settled into – a case has brought him to France in the 50s. He ended up staying there for reasons that they show in the show, and he lives there. Yeah. And so it's shot in France. Most of the cast is French. It's mostly in French.
2: In fact, one of, the, one of the guys in the show is from that Drops of God show I talked about last episode where they were like, oh, there's only a handful of French actors apparently and that work in TV.
0: It's a, <laughs> it's a
1: wine show. If it takes
0: place in France, there's going to be gross. Yeah, so exactly.
1: Wine. So it's interesting because like it's on AMC, but it feels like it was made for streaming because the commercial breaks, at least for me, come at odd times in the scenes. There's cursing. There's nudity. Like it's, I keep like, whoa, whoa, we're on basic cable.
2: Yeah, I'm watching it streaming. We don't. I have not even noticed that because and because yeah. it feels. Yeah, because it I've, the new because with I actually I didn't even realize it was on regular AMC. I thought it was yeah. just on AMC streaming. But yeah, so
1: yeah, it's weird. Does the scene where the woman's walking around topless? And I'm like, wait a minute, bro. This is basic cable. Yeah, but they're not redoing the Maltese Falcon. They're not. He doesn't walk around with the fedora.
2: Yeah, and it and it, it it loosely ties to the I would say legend, but to the the to the mythos. Yeah. You know, like it it, it it mentions some characters. So if you know Maltese Falcon, you'll be like really into it. But if you don't know, it, you don't need to watch it, or don't need you've never even need to watch Maltese Falcon at all. If you just want a period piece detective, you know, kind of thing, it, it's it's very very good. It's very. And he well
1: feels done. like a character from that era, even though he also feels like a character from that era who has grown twenty more years.
2: What's interesting is that there's one scene where he was he's getting his he's going to get his gun out because he you know Mm -hmm. in which you know case in point he doesn't carry a gun anymore like he's living this provincial life now on this on this like estate on a vineyard and like and had this married this woman and you know and has swims naked like it seems like he has reached contentment right and then all the stuff from the past comes back and it kind of it doesn't pull him back in but it pulls him back into the life and so he goes into his closet to get his gun. And the gun is in a box with a, a suit and a jacket and the fedora. And yeah. he pauses, and when he's putting it away, he's holding the fedora, and he pauses for a second. You see, do I put it back on? And he's like, No, I'll leave it off. But like the fact that he's not in that gumshoe. Right. Mindset anymore, you know, like I I thought that like and there are just little subtle ways that Clive Owen is playing it that speak to it and the and the dialogue and the banter the right like you can tell that Fontana and and the other guy Scott Frank are just having a blast like playing Dashiell Hammett. It's also
1: funny. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. this definitely. Feel, you're right. Like this is kind of you know it's a two sides to uh, two sides to a very odd coin between what's going on True Detective currently and this. But I actually feel like this is more of a like I said filling the void of Perry Mason mm-hmm. in that you know yeah. that pe- the period mystery kind of thing. You know, very noirish, but like French, and so yeah, wholly so. unique. You know, yeah. it's just yeah.
1: classical American character in France in the 60s. Yeah. Like that's not a story I've ever seen before.
2: Yeah, it's an interesting angle to take for sure. Yeah, so we've been enjoying that, and then I don't typically buy into the Ryan Murphy Uvra, mm-hmm. you know, and America Horror Story, and like all the like all these franchises that he has built over these past couple of years. And one of them is is the Feud series, where I guess last year was what was it? It was um,
1: it was uh, the one about Hollywood Wire Hangers, yeah. Joan Crawford Craw- versus, yeah. yeah, Crawford. Betty and, Davis. You
2: know, Betty Davis. Yeah, exactly. I right. didn't watch that one, but my wife saw that the second season of the Feud came out, and it's uh, Truman Capote versus the Swans. And it's telling the tale of Truman Capote uh, and his falling out with New York Society in the 70s when he decides to write a tell-all and tell all the, the secrets of all the ladies that he was, had befriended over the years in New York Society. So my wife wanted to watch it. I'm like, fine, I'll watch it. This has just been gripping because I did not know it was directed by Gus Van Zandt.
1: Yeah, every episode. Which,
2: yeah, when I when we were watching the first episode, and the credits came up. I was like, directed by Gus Van Sant. I was like, what? And I looked. and I'm like, oh, he just did the first episode, but no, he did the whole series, which is great. Tom Hollander, who I'm a huge fan of. Yeah, I love him. Most recently was in The White Lotus season two yeah. in Italy, but you know he was in he was in the loop, you know, in all the in the Iannucci stuff, and you know, and like he's oh, a British Tom, that guy. Yeah, he's great. He's fantastic. He's playing Truman Capote and doing a great job of inhabiting that whole mythos. And this is a whole, you know. I know about Truman Cody. I knew about In Cold Blood. I knew about you know Breakfast at Tiffany's. Yada yada. Did not know about this. Have no idea about this. So um, again, another period piece taking place in New York. We see that, you know New York in the fifties, and the sixties, and seventies as it's jumping around time. Bill Paley of the Paley Center for Media, formerly of CBS. Uh, his wife f- plays a big role. The cast is stacked. I mean, it, yeah, Naomi Watts, Diane Lane. Cliff Flockhart, Demi Moore, Molly Ringwald, Molly Ringwald, yeah. yeah, like a great, really great cast. Um, and it's just it's just been you know very very chewy scenery drama. Chloe yeah, but
1: uh, it's 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 been a fun one to watch. Yeah, I've been yeah. really enjoying it. I'm the same as you. I don't normally watch Ryan Murphy shows, but I did like the last feud. It was that was really terrific. Oh, yeah. Uh, so this particular franchise he has, I like. The only negative I have about it is I think it jumps around right in time too much. Oh, I like it that. It goes I don't from minding. the I don't 60s mind to the 70s to the 80s back to 60s. Like, it's just constantly bouncing, and it's a hard time holding on to what you're looking at at any given moment. But other than that, I'm really enjoying it. Well, yeah, well,
2: it was funny, because the, fir- the first episode did a lot of unpacking to set the scene. And there was a lot of, like, jumping around time to, like, show you what the relationships were and, like, and kind of build the board. The second episode settled in, in one period of time. There, w- there was no time jumps in the second episode. Yeah. Third episode, time jumps again, right? Yeah, no, I thought, I thought it was very, very good. So it's 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 one that, that we'll continue to be watching. And then talk about Stack Cast, the last one I'm watching, which Amazon did a binge dump, which I'm just baffled by because I have no idea why. Because um, of all shows that are like very well-crafted television that's made for weekly viewing, Mr. Mr. Smith is fantastic. And Mrs. I, I, Mr. Mrs. Smith, right?
1: It is interesting they did that, isn't it? Because it is. Yeah that's a show that is now going to fall off the cultural radar. Exactly, exactly. And and like the thing is it's really good. So this
2: is um if you're not aware of it, it's on Amazon Prime. It is a reimagining of the the Brad Pitt Angelina Jolie movie that came out 20 she's 20 years ago now. And the premise of that movie was that they were both assassins. And they were married to each other and did not know that each other was an assassin. And then in the movie, they find out about each other and then hilarity ensues. This kind of (laughs) turns that concept- Sexy hilarity. Yeah. This kind of turns the concept 90 degrees and the show starts with both of them being recruited by whatever weird secret spy organization that they're working for and being paired up and going into it, they both know that they're both assassins and they're pretending to be married and they're pretending to live with each other in a very, very nice apartment in New York. City, which me and my wife are like, like, what neighborhood is this in? Like, we're trying to figure it out.
0: The great mystery of television is always New York City apartments. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> like, it, it is a, a constant, yeah. <laughs> if you know anything about New York City apartments at all, then yeah. that is the biggest hurdle to get over your disbelief.
2: Yep, exactly. And so they they move in together into the, in this amazing apartment, and then each basically each episode is a... You know, is a is a mission per episode, right? And so there's a, you know, uh, so it's a little. I don't want to say bottle episode because that's a different meaning. But like singular, you know, kind of monster of the yeah, week episode, just single
1: single episode, yeah. yeah.
2: And what we're episodic. doing episodic. What we're doing is we're actually watching. The two main characters. Sorry, Donald Glover plays Mr. John Smith, and Maya Erskine plays um, Mrs. Smith, Mrs. Jane Smith. Um, it was originally supposed to be Phoebe Waller-Bridge, and she dropped out, unknown why. And unknown, unknown why we keep trying to like we keep trying to imagine if it was Phoebe Waller-Bridge, whether it be better or worse. And I actually think she did some interviews when the show came
1: out. sure, just, yeah, yeah. But but they had different visions of the show.
2: Right, but but you you wonder if it will be less than because the original person sure. dropped out. But like Maya Erskine is like is owning it and doing a great job bringing her own kind of flavor to it. And it's really interesting to see. You talk about like on screen chemistry, like there like there are sparks, like and that's what you need for this. Is that the idea is that if you've got these two assassins who don't know each other who are pretending to be married and they have to do these missions, inevitably, what is their relationship going to be like? And over the span of these episodes, they go from being strangers to you see their relationship develop. And there's definite chemistry on screen. Donald Glover is very good. Like I've forgotten how good he, he, he can be. Like it's a you know different kind of character different than, than I, you know that I've seen him do. And they stack the, every episode is a different, not a cameo, but like the second episode, the, 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 the target was John Tutoro. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like, like who we love, John Turturro. Right, it's fantastic. Like right. so, like every episode has a different casting, similar to, like what Poker Face did when Poker Face was doing the epi- each episode being one and done. But like Judith Light was in an episode she won an Emmy for, and you know like um uh to- not Tom Waits um who's the guy Tom, old Tom gri- cold, old grizzly guy uh, Tom Holland Tom Stopper. oh it's gonna drive me crazy um, Tom Petty uh <laughs> no uh, what is his name Tom Davis. Tom? No, I don't think
0: there's a Tom Jefferson. Cruise.
2: Um, yeah, was it? Was it
0: Cruz? It was Cruz? No, it wasn't. Cruz. Tommy Davidson from In Living Color. Nick
2: Nolte. <laughs> Nick Nolte. That's who it was. <laughs> Nick Nolte. That's who it was. Almost Tom. Almost Tom. <laughs> I'm sorry. T- Nick Nolte to Tom Waits. That's not a far jump. No, it's not. They both yeah, thank not. you. They yeah. both
0: been through the ringer.
2: Yeah, the grizzly. Vo- it was like, the grizzly voice that got me. Really, you yeah. looked
0: and sounded eighty. Since you were twenty five, <laughs> exactly that, that exactly. kind of thing. I'll yeah. give you that.
2: Anyway, um, so Mr. And Mr. Smith is. I, I recommend you guys both really watch it. It, it. It's you know, it's it's you know. Ron, there's too many damn shows. <laughs> uh, there are too many damn shows. But this one, this one actually
0: is really, <laughs> actually, really good.
1: Actually, mathematically speaking, there's a lot less shows. There's twenty well, five percent fewer too shows many than last
0: year. That I want to watch that I can't get through right now. Yeah. That's what there is.
1: Well, you're watching so much basketball.
2: I would put this on your list because. The premises is interesting. The execution is stellar. They they film in New York, like not like they like they they spared no expense. <laughs> and, and it's, I mean, it, you know, and each episode is like between you know forty minutes and fifty minutes. Like they're not like full hour, right? And so, like, it fe- this feels like a, uh, there's a lot of talk about the end of peak TV and all this sort of stuff. Yeah, this very much feels like this is what. TV was supposed to be during this period like this is what we were supposed to like this is the kind of show I would expect like this is it's fantastic I strongly recommend it
1: I don't know why they released them all at once it's so strange
2: it's so weird this could be this could be an uh, like a age a show everyone's talking about on a weekly basis if they did that if they if they did a you weekly wouldn't release wouldn't feel
1: like there was too much
0: too many damn shows if it was like that Yeah you would feel like there is that's good There's something
2: to say like I'm all like I I I embrace disruption like disruption like you know Break the system, do so. But there's also something to say said about institutions that work, right? And I'm I'm a strong believer in weekly episodic television like that. There's something yeah. that, that spending a week waiting for the next episode and and talking about it and 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 the, you know like what what's been going on with True Detective recently, I think is a right. great example. You know,
1: and Monsieur Spade, like the same thing. Like there's a yeah. mystery that I think about throughout the week until we get to the show time. I'm ex- it's like oh, it's Sunday, it's time for the new episode. As, as yeah. opposed to you know binging it on your own time. At yeah. your own pace, you don't talk to about anybody with anybody else. You don't feel connected to an audience because everyone's watching things in their own time. Like yeah. yeah,
2: well, that's a good segue to, to Connor to your to your what you've been watching.
1: Well, yeah, just to get the quick one out of the way. So, Curb Your Enthusiasm is back for its final season. I was throwing you a segue to True Detective. I sir. know, but I'm trying to get the fast <laughs> one out of the way. Curb is back. It's the final season. One of the best shows, best comedies of the last, you know, 20 years. I don't know why they're doing it all in Atlanta right now. At least the first two episodes, <laughs> but I don't think we've ever had a show like this that's taken place intermittently for like a generation. That just sort of twenty five years. Whenever that's he wants crazy. to do a season, the, yeah, the
2: first one was nineteen ninety nine, right? Like,
1: it's, yeah, it's weird. It's yeah. like it's like, it's, it's like season twelve out of twenty five years, and so it's just like yeah. whenever he wanted to do it, he did it, and so he followed this guy's life. He's you know he's, when he started, he was in his fifties. Now he's almost eighty. Jeez. And it's just a un, very unusual thing we that we've had. And I'm, I'm sure Ron heard this, but I was listening to the episode of The Town talking about the premiere. And they made a really good case that, you know, awards-wise, you know, everyone loves The Bear. The Bear's great. The Bear swept yeah. all the comedy. Emmy's Latin in the last ceremony. I wouldn't call The Bear a comedy, though. Yeah, that's the real And no, Enthusiasm is a straight-up fucking comedy. Yep, And so yep. is Appa Elementary. And I haven't seen that, but people love it. But, like, the shows, like, like that bear, a drama. It, Nope, they put it in the 30 minute category. They put it in comedy. Barry gets put in the comedy category. Like, it's not a comedy either. Barry's not a comedy. Barry's, I don't know. What's, is there a genre for fucked up, but kind of funny? They're almost going to have to add like a dramedy category. I, yeah,
0: I mean, yeah,
2: I mean, I would definitely, it's all about like the spectrum or like the balance. And like, I definitely think the bear is funny at times, but is more dramatic than not. You know what I mean? Like, like I wouldn't I, even think yeah. to call that a comedy.
1: Yeah one, yeah. one best good. comedy a month ago. So anyway, the point is this is a straight up pure – there's nothing dramatic about Curb other than what is he going to do to fuck it up this time? It's been funny. Even if I don't think these two episodes have been the greatest of Curb episodes of all time. I thought the premiere was kind of okay. The second episode was better. But I just will be sad when it's gone because there's nothing else like it on TV and it's allowed yeah. all of these great comedians for 25 years to flourish in this unique production style. I mean, you know, you've had so much great – you know, who thought Richard Lewis would come back and do great stuff? What, Or, you know, Bob Einstein before he passed away. All these great yep. comedians who were people that you had to really, really be fans of comedy to really know of sort of flourished in these shows. Susie Essman, who was brought on as a day player for the first her first episode and now is, you know, an integral part of the show. It's been terrific, and I'm sad to see it ending soon. But yeah, we'll enjoy it as as it goes. So let's talk about True Detective, as Ron said. So True Detective, which is – Subtitled Night Country, but really it's just your detective season four. It's back, baby. Season one was terrific. Season two was terrible. Season three I thought was better. I don't remember a thing about it.
2: Neither does Mahershala Ali. That was yeah. the whole issue, yeah. About memory. Yeah, he had a bad memory, and so the unreliable narrator season. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah He that was a detective desperately
1: trying to solve a case for you. He, he had Alzheimer's. I thought it was solid. But they jettisoned this showrunner. It's no longer Nick Pizzolatto. It's now a, a Mexican Isla, filmmaker. Issa Lopez. Isa Lopez. Issa Lopez. It's set in Alaska during the long night. There's no daytime, which I keep forgetting. And I'm like, everything's happening at night. That's no shit. You were
0: in the high school at one point? And I was yeah. like, you yeah. hey, go to high school at night? And I was like, no, it's always night. And I went, oh, right. Then there's one bit where they're driving and the sun is sort of coming up a little bit. And I was like, is yeah. the night over? And then I was like, oh, I bet it just barely comes up and then goes away again. And that's, <laughs> ugh. They, like the and they,
2: they did a good job of telling you what day it was and like how many yeah. days into night it was, but like right. I would have I would have liked a time because it's, because like when someone <laughs> calls think... and they they're, they're like oh like is it bedtime is it morning right.
1: is it like right right, right. Like, what, like, yeah yeah I think know, that's so. the
0: point though because yeah. it's so
1: yeah. it's overwhelming
0: and it's so disconcerting and and your expectations are are all off and I think that's the point you don't really know where you are
1: it's always the same right <laughs> it's yeah. just always the same so this one. Jodie Foster is the lead with Kali Reese, who I think is terrific as her partner, her reluctant she's partner. She's amazing.
2: It's like her first thing, I think, right? She yeah. was acting she was like in
1: one other thing, She's a something.
0: boxer. Yeah. What's funny is that at one point I go, she's from Boston. And then they kind of explained it. And yeah. I was like, okay, good. You, you do have to address the fact that she's <laughs> clearly not a native Alaskan speaker.
1: <laughs> you know, this one is tied tangentially in season one. It's much more supernatural, seems to be. But I think it all works with the story they're telling, with the community they're dealing with. It's yeah. Sort of very tied into the native culture.
2: It's playing more into the the horror angle than season. Like season season one was like the, was this horror this horror the detective one. mystery, whatever, with like supernatural on the fringes. And in this one, supernatural is
0: closer to the center. I'm still hoping it that's just a, a red herring. Yeah, that this will not be supernatural. I, I'll accept it, but yeah.
2: Well, I mean, and part of it, I mean, is like, is because they're in the night country, they're at like the edge of the world, right? And so, like, right. is it
0: more? Is this m-
2: more, you know, apt to, you know, if there are people drilling into the in, into the ice and into the crust? Are you going to unleash something like it's going to happen there versus Louisiana? Right our old but, Twin Peaks
1: fans, so we're much exactly, more apt yeah, yeah, to yeah. think that these things yeah. happen in the, the edges yeah. of, this, and don't, of the world and don't question them. Don't question. But them. Right.
0: There, <laughs> there was there was the explanation. They're like they're looking for some like super bacteria that's going to that's a panacea that's going to cure everything and I was like okay that could make people act crazy
1: yeah there could be all kind of reasons for hallucinations we just don't know what the we don't know yet Josh is behind we're, we're at episode 5 of 6 when this comes that's out true. there'll still be one episode left Josh is only 2 in so he hasn't gotten quite as far that might be 3 5 brought the heat right Connor yeah no, this, I, I, I three, think it's been yeah. terrific I've seen some yeah. better views I don't care I don't I don't agree with them it doesn't matter I think Jodie Foster has been great she's really compelling it's a character she's she does amazing. not play at all yeah. No. She's playing sort an of, asshole. Like, she's
2: playing, like, like, yeah. And, like,
0: full on. And yeah. and, and also, I, you know, I it's like, a, it's a thing, but, like, she's aged naturally. Yes. In a way, and it's so strange to look at a woman like her age, but she's, like, she's well, an, entirely real, and she's also entirely Jodie Foster. It's not like, oh, uh, she's gotten old. It's like, no, she's right there. Well, she's well, still well, got, like, that same spark in her eyes.
1: I yeah. want to just clarify for your sake that it's not strange to look at a woman that age. It's strange to look at a woman that age in Hollywood who hasn't had work done. That's what I just, mean. Right, yeah. I'm clarifying I, I, it so I, you don't I, get letters.
0: I just mean that, that because there's so many people who are defying that and she is just, it's whatever sh- she is. And, and and I think it really lends to her. Uh, she's fantastic and surprised me, right? which it shouldn't be because she's you know a long time pro. But I was like, look at that screen presence. It's crazy.
1: Right. And it's it's a show that when it, when Sunday at I think it's six o'clock or whatever it is comes on like I'm ready I'm on the couch like I'm I'm excited I'm sad it's only six
2: yeah I thought it was eight like I just I just I heard someone refer to it as the penultimate episode episode five like what no yeah. I don't want it to be over like yeah no, that's so.
1: okay
0: yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's yeah shows. <laughs> too much too much that, to watch you know what that just you said that I was like oh thank God <laughs>
1: so I, I'm really loving it I really am I mean between Night True Detective and Mr Spade and then Curb on Sunday nights it's, it's a it's a good night. Yeah. Sunday TV's back, everybody. It's back. And then John Oliver, you got four solid shows on Sunday nights. Also 60 Minutes, but I'm the only one who watches that. Anyway, Masters of the Air is another show that is shorter than you'd hope it would be. It's nine episodes instead of 10. It's the third part of the Band of Brothers trilogy, not airing on HBO. It's airing on Apple TV Plus on Fridays, although I get it's Thursday nights being on the West Coast. And I'm loving it. I think it's terrific. I didn't like the Pacific. I didn't like it at the time it came out. I didn't like it on rewatch. I just didn't like it. But I'm a huge Band of Brothers fan, as anyone who listens to the show knows. And I think this is really terrific, even though it's making clear that there was a magic of Band of Brothers that just can't be recaptured. Yes. But I find it utterly compelling. And especially it was the third episode where they go through the whole mission, and it's just terrifying. And you see what the pilots uh, really went this through. This the second one.
0: Because I think that's the one where it came together. Because I, mean, I watched the first one, and I, and I thought, I don't know. And it was that same feeling of... Band of Brothers isn't gonna happen again, and I need to adjust myself right. to understand that it isn't that, it isn't gonna be. I don't like the lead in these shows being a very recognizable actor because it throws me off, but whatever. That's this Hollywood.
1: But also he he was cast well before that. It was uh, well, either way. They shot it four years ago. That's fine.
0: That second episode though really is the thing where I was like, Okay, this is giving me what I wanted in terms of like, like, let's let's put us there. Let's see what it feels like as best as you can reproduce, because I think that is the, one of the real values of those shows, and, and they, they right. went for it, and I, I really like that.
1: This is about the B-17, the bombers, and this is even before D-Day. This is prior to D-Day, the bombers who flew daytime missions over Germany, bombing military targets and facilities, and how horrible it goes for You prefer for those a people. military
0: target? <laughs> name so Just
1: name the system. The British don't. <laughs> And so what I thought with the, with the most recent episode was that whatever magical alchemy there was with Band of Brothers, it was the acting, it was the writing, it was the characters, it was the way it was constructed. By the time I hit episode five, I knew every character, their name, something about them. You know, I, I, I just knew everyone, mm-hmm. whereas I still, on Masters of the Air, I still basically yeah. only know the two main guys because they have the same nickname. I don't know any other characters' names. Whatever magic happened with Band of Brothers, you just connected to those characters immediately, and, and the actors were all iconic, and they're Part all of that is the source today. material. Right. Masters of the Air
0: is more or less a documentary book, whereas Band of Brothers was based largely on David Webster's journals.
1: I don't see how that's possible, because I read David Webster's journal, It's hardly anything in the show is in that book.
0: But from what I remember, it's been a while. A lot of that book was written from his perspective, and a lot of it was like, it was also about, like, the stories were gotten by talking to the men. And I didn't get that sense when I read Masters of the Air, um, which was very much more about, it was about the experience and it was about the kinds of people who were there. But when they focused on a person, it tended to be uh, an officer, somebody more in charge, not so much the, you know, the grunts as you got further back in the plane and, and very much about the, tactics and strategy of the thing from an overhead view, meaning that the daylight bombing as opposed to the traditional nighttime bombing. And uh spoiler, none of it's very effective. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> they they missed a lot more than they hit. But they scared the shit out of people, which helped the, you know, the land invasion.
1: Even though I don't know the names of the characters, I still think it's incredibly compelling. I think it's really well done. I think it makes the pilots look cool as shit. There's one point where they're like walking across the tarmac in their like hats and their furry mm-hmm. Collar jackets, and I was like, "Fuck, they look cool. They do." What they're doing is terrifying. Some good casting. They seem like they're casting younger to make it more realistic. They're not shying yeah, away sort of... from from mustaches this time. Everyone's got a mustache, which is was more common in the forties than you see in other shows. Usually. Also,
0: the pilots did want to be more dashing, and like, yeah. it, I don't know if this will come up, but like in the real at that base, like Clark Gable was one of the pilots. Jimmy Stewart was yep. one of the. They were there, and so there was sort of that. You know that dashing yeah. sort of Hollywood thing was that has to come up, but
1: I, I did know that like Gable was a pilot, Stewart was a was on the bombing squad. Willie, William Wyler was shooting movies out of yeah. this.
0: Like Clark Gable insisted on like hanging out with the guys, and like they would go out together, and like you know women would, and and he was a very good guy to have on your crew. <laughs> it turns out
1: he did pretty well at the bars.
0: Yeah, he did, and and if you were just with him, that helped too. And you know they had a rough life, so you know go for it.
1: The production values are terrific. Yeah. Apple's clearly spending a lot of money on this. I think it's been really great. Again, small realizations aside, it's just, it's done a really good job of showing why you don't want to be on a plane in war any more than you want to be in a tank or in a submarine or anything else that you could get trapped in. In many ways, it's much worse.
0: There's a bit at the, yeah, it's probably in the second episode where, like, uh, he takes his glove off and he grabs the gun. And Lindsay goes, Did he just burn himself? And I was like, No,
1: froze. He froze to it. Yeah. It was so cold up there. Yeah. It was always miserable. Really miserable. It's really, really good. And it's Playtone. It's Tom Hanks. It's the same. It's all the same people. John Orloff is the guy who wrote some of the best episodes of of Brothers. He's writing or co-writing all of them. Mm-hmm. Carrie Joji Fukunaga from the first season of True Detective is directing a lot of Fukunaga. the episodes. Yeah.
2: It's funny because this is this is I just had an idea if maybe we'll do this next month on uh, next month's episode. But this is currently at the top of my haven't started watching list. Mm. I think you'll enjoy it. Which as of right now is one, two, three, four, five, six, <laughs> seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven shows long. And maybe next month we could talk about our list of things we haven't started watching yet that we'd like to if we had a minute <laughs> of time to ourselves. <laughs> so Connor the non-parent is like, yeah, sure, whatever. I've watched it no, all. No, but is that a good idea, though? Because I'm sure we all have a list of things that we were like, we want to get to. Yeah, yeah, this, I right? mean, it's yeah. a short yeah. discussion. Yeah.
1: I still have things I like to watch. I just don't, you know, you can't watch everything. Yeah. yeah. I will say this, Josh, the, the, my last point is that last week's episode, which coincided with the big rainstorm we got in Los Angeles, during the midst of a giant, stressful firefight there, the Luftwaffe's attacking, things are blowing up. That's when the rumbling of thunder came through. Nice. At the same exact moment, I got wide-eyed, my wife got wide-eyed, we looked at each other, we paused, because you're so intense on the scene, and we're like, is the bombing, has it started? Because mm-hmm. it was so perfectly timed with the fight on the screen, it was uh, intense. It's a good show. It's a it's very It's a good magic show. moment,
0: when life crosses over into... Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> let's go to Lawman and I checked this, it's Lawmen, Bass Reeves, which yes. is weird and incongruous. Well, that, that, I don't, that
2: lets them do more show, yeah, shows series. about someone it else. It's a series, yeah. Lawmen. yeah. This well, be
0: oh, yeah, no, yeah, a I of so yeah. this one's only six six episodes too. Another fact I was really pleased to get to. I'm four in uh, this. Uh, what's his name? Sheridan, Sheridan, Taylor Sheridan. Sheridan, Taylor Sheridan. He's the guy. There used to be film moguls, and now there are TV moguls. You know, yep. you you talked about what's his name before. You were just talking. Ryan about his, Murphy. His, Ryan Murphy, right? And then he's that guy. And then and now there's Taylor Sheridan, and they all have these different little worlds that they control, and it. It appears that Sheridan has been the first person in forever to be like, I'm going to make Western shows, and they're all going to be accepted, and I can do as many as I want, and people will watch them, and it's the weirdest thing. I really enjoyed, is it 1883? 1883. 1883, I did not make it too far into 1923. Laman Bass Reeves appealed to me very much, and I'm I'm really enjoying it. David Oyelowo. David Oyelowo really disappearing into a character – where I forget it is that actor, because that actor really me, I, I recognize him when he's in things, and, and he's, a, he's a good actor, he's, he's fine, but he plays this with such a sort of combination, like he's a former slave, but he has authority, and so he... You watch him over, over the course of things like go from being deferential to recognizing his power, but sort of never losing track of either thing. And it's very it's very interesting to, to watch. I'm really enjoying that aspect. Then the other thing is I was kind of surprised by, although I guess I shouldn't be, sort of the number of cameos not cameos but number of great actors who have parts in this as you go through it you'll be watching and then and then barry pepper sort of is in the first episode and then donald sutherland and was it dennis quaid dennis quaid dennis quaid who seemed less old in this i don't know how long ago (laughs) they shot it i don't know
1: because he was looking
0: pretty haggard. they're not quite one and done stories but we're moving through time pretty quickly it's just a good it's just a good western show
1: the only negative i really have is that at six it feels too short Mm -hmm. It feels like they're really cramming stuff in and moving quickly because they only have six episodes to tell this guy's, not life story, you don't go through his entire life, but Mm -hmm. there's a lot to say. Like you said, he was a slave who was forced to fight for the Confederacy in the Civil War, escaped, was then freed at the end of the war, and then became one of the first black deputy US Marshals in the country. It feels like it deserves like a full 10 episodes or something. Six feels like it's short, but I thought it was really good. I thought he's terrific in it.
0: Yeah. It's it's, it's 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 what i wanted it to be. I'm I'm good with that. Finally uh the i just finished up the last or the the most recent season and i keep thinking they can't keep making this for all mankind. I know i talked about that on the um all media show, but i hadn't talked about the last season. This is the 5th season and what we have is we are in the early 2000s and it, the show is um it's a it's a speculative future. Or speculative history show, so the, you know. Basically, I, I've said this before: the Russians get to the moon before Neil Armstrong, and, and everything spins off from there. So now you imagine us, you know, however many years later, forty years later, in a world and they've colonized Mars, and there's an industry going on there, and there's all these politics involved, and like the technology has evolved to the point where. We have a lot of the things that we have now, but not some of the other things that we have now. Like there's the all these little choices that they put in the background, which sort of let you know how the world developed. But my main th- thesis about this season is it is the most Battlestar Galactica of all of the seasons so far. You guys, I mean, it's been a while since you talked about Battlestar Galactica, but one of those episodes could turn on a dime. Sure. A character could make a decision that's almost seems from out of nowhere it's almost unbelievable and then everything is thrown into chaos and people choose up sides and you're going what is he doing that for <laughs> and it's a little more cartoony than the other ones have been and i think it's because we're at a, a speculative future now who's to say and like they really are leaning into character drama in places where before it was a little easier to sort of just tell a story about what happened i don't know if it's Better, but it is really interesting. And as I said, it really gave me that Battlestar Galactica feeling. Like Ronald D. Moore is the is a co-runner of this show, and there's you know there's other writers from Battlestar Galactica on it. What is the year that it ends on? Uh, it's hard. To, it's hard to keep track. I think to, I think it's like 2003 to seven or something like that. But don't quote me on that. Do you think they're going to do more? Do you yeah, feel they like are. It? No, like there's there's at least one more season.
2: What I've heard was that like all the previous seasons have been leading up to this season, basically. I can see that. I mean, but they yeah, but yeah. that's any story. Like, yes. Right, no, but like it was all setting up, so now they're telling the story. Like, uh, yeah. So what was
0: interesting <laughs> is that the first season especially, the thing that drew me to it is that so many of the people in it were real people. You know, yeah. it was it was uh, not unlike From the Earth to the Moon, but things just went a little different. So Neil Armstrong was in it, and um, not Ed Harris, but the character that he played in Apollo 3. Like all those people, Gene Krantz. You know, and now none of those people are in anymore. And you sort of got to know all the fictional people that they put in. A lot of those people are dead now.
2: Right.
0: You know, but there's a Soviet Russia, and there's a big part of it. You know, and the one of the main characters, like she's been through some shit. She she at the beginning of the show, she was like Werner von Braun's assistant. They all found out he was a Nazi, and in this world, they didn't keep him around. <laughs> they were like, nope, you're out. Because in the real world, like he was on the Disney Sunday night show. He was yeah, with, yeah, with Kennedy, yeah, yeah. you know, and, and let's not mince words. Werner von Braun was a Nazi. His rocket factories employed slave labor. He knew perfectly well what was going on. And then he came here and he helped design our rockets out of Huntsville, Alabama. In that show, they they kicked him out. But the, the woman who was his assistant and she broke from him, she ends up being head of NASA up through the end of last season Uh, and then there's a whole thing that happens and she has to defect to Soviet Russia and so now she's working for the Russia it's that very Battlestar Galactica all of a sudden President Rosalind is doing something completely different and it it, it was like that
1: question really fun yes if next season ends revealing the Cylons and this has all just been a prequel to Battlestar how would you feel yes yes
0: (laughs) Connor yes (laughs) That'd be awesome. Do you remember that that miniseries? Yes. She breaks that baby's neck and you're like, oh, it's on.
2: I've also heard that. That was so good. I've also heard that that this is like a spiritual predecessor to a expanse future. Right. In that in that uh, like and that like, you know, take take away the, the, the you know the alternate timeline and the Soviet not not Soviet whatever, but like this is showing the progress it takes to get to the expanse, which is where uh, Mars is colonized and they're they're you know they're they're on the belt and all that sort of stuff, right? Like I uh, I mean maybe. But I mean, but it's it's
0: I see yeah. the the latter, right? yeah. Like I that, mean, but yeah. like I think anybody who's a fan of sort of hard sci-fi. And and is a, and it likes sort of space exploration as sort of the path forward, you know. It all sort of goes that way. We all loved Seven Eves, you know. It's just that idea of like we can all work together and go towards something, you know. And and every time it falls to shit because we're humans, right? You know, technology, and then it gets commodified, and then it ends up being you know there's a bunch of workers who are just working a shitty job. that just happens to be in space, right? A lot of that.
2: Launching question: What is your favorite hard sci-fi? property film book or whatever if you if you in the hard sci-fi genre none of the soft sci-fi bullshit i mean
0: i would say seven eves the book is probably Mm -hmm. my favorite which book seven Seven Eves. eves book what one
2: Seventies. Oh, seventies. I think you said the seventies. I'm sorry. I Like no. a book seven- from the seventies. Yeah, sev- yeah, seventies. <laughs> the seventies. Which the book? Which book? Seventies. <laughs> seventies seven <first>. <laughs> yeah, no, is seventies
0: is. I see. I see that. That's very good. Yeah. I really love like I like. I love The Martian. Yeah, Martian's very good. And I was I was gonna say the the movie The Martian, but I like the I read the book first. You know where right. you guys were formed. but you know as far as I just like that sort of long term, you live in that world forever, and then that time jump in that. Yeah which it all tracked.
2: Tying back to True Detective with Jodie Foster McConaughey, I, Contact, I always think, is a, is a fantastic mm. film. Good, fantastic film. hard
1: sci-fi great film. book, too. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Really great yeah. book.
1: Yeah. There's stuff. a lot of great hard sci-fi. So in the, in the very limited time we have left, we went like two and a half times what yeah, we would right. normally do on that segment. I guess real quickly, we're going to run through the Best Picture nominees and the Oscars are about a month away. And normally what we do on the show is after the nominees are announced, we do this show and we rank them. And therefore, pick our favorite film of the year. Rankings. From the nominees.
0: Rankings. I have to, I just have to uh, edit Interstellar tied with Seven Eves.
1: Okay. The, Interstellar, the right. I Was love there? that. Anyway, go ahead. So here are the 10 nominees in alphabetical order. So there's no preference here American fiction, Anatomy of a Fall, Barbie, The Holdovers, Killers of the Flower Moon, Maestro Oppenheimer, Past Lives, Poor Things, and The Zone of Interest. Those are the 10 nominees for Best Picture. Josh,
2: how many have you seen of those? Five. Okay, Ooh. I have seen five as well. I've seen nine, nine.
0: Yeah, wait, maybe I've only seen four.
2: I will in real, in in all reality, probably see one. I'll probably see one more before the Oscars, so I'll get the six. I think. Yeah, I'll see mine before. Yeah, so that taints it, right? And I'll I'll come out and say like, so I've I've I have not seen Zone of Interest, Past Lives, Anatomy of Fall, or American Fiction. I likely will see American Fiction this week or next. I'm going to try to see Anatomy of Fall, Past Lives, or Zone of Interest. I I don't know how to prioritize which one of the three to see, but I feel like I've seen the ones that- I think of those, you would enjoy Past Lives the most. Past Lives? All right, so I'll rank that in there. Prioritize that one. Okay. I do find it very interesting that both Anatomy of Fall and Zone of Interest have the same actress. They do, yes. Sandra Huller, yeah, which I thought was, was very interesting, but neither here nor there. Okay, cool. So, Josh, which ones have you seen?
0: Uh, Barbie, Holdovers, Killers of the Flower Moon, and Oppenheimer. So four. And, you know, like, of those, I've never heard of Anatomy of the Fall. I want to see American fiction very much. Yeah. I'm ambivalent about maestros. I don't really care about poor things. Past Lives looks interesting, and I have no idea what the zone of interest
1: is. But I know what my zone of interest is. The zone of interest is a a Nazi film, World War II. Hmm?
0: Yeah, that one's up your alley, Actually, I think. Not all Nazi movies are up my alley. Let me let me rephrase that. <laughs> <laughs> so,
1: and Connor, which one haven't you seen yet? I haven't seen Poor Things because I I really hated the lobster, and so I've been oh, putting wow. off seeing Poor Things. But I'm going to see it. I'm going to. I want to see. It. I'm I'm just one away. I'll go see it. But yeah. I'm not rushing out. But I have to.
2: Yeah, I've seen Oppenheimer, Holdovers, Killer's Flower Moon, Maestro, Barbie, Poor Things, and that's it. And then I will likely see American Fiction. So that's rank them then. I just inadvertently read them in my ranking. But just, okay, so well, what was I was ranking I, again. If I rank them go. from the bottom from the bottom to the top, I would rank yeah. them from the bottom to the top. Um in terms of best picture. Yep. Poor things, Barbie, Maestro, killers, holdovers, Oppenheimer. So Oppenheimer is my pick for best picture. Holdovers and Killers of Flower Moon is like millimeters between the two. And really what nudge holdovers over Killers of Flower Moon is just that like Holdovers was a delightful experience. Where Killers was a marathon, and I was exhausted at the end, right? And it was still great and still really good. But Holdovers like got that warm and fuzzy feeling. Whereas mm-hmm. you know, Killers was just kind of like, oh, the majesty. And then I think Maestro, Barbie, Poor Things, all kind of like all have individual things about them that make them special and make them unique. But you know, none more so than I think I, Oppenheimer is just like a classic best picture in
1: my mind. Is that your favorite film of the year? Since you're ranking it first. Yep, Josh. These
0: are all fairly close. I really liked every one of these movies. I'm going to go from bottom to top. The Holdovers, Killers of the Flower Moon, and here I... Barbie Oppenheimer. Ooh. I really liked Barbie and Oppenheimer in two different ways, but a lot. I mean, Oppenheimer, the only thing I'm giving at the edge is that... We talked about this. Like, It's a feature film of the grandest scale, and that is a yeah. rare thing. And to be able to see it on a gigantic screen with that sound was an experience that is probably slightly more valuable to me than what was in a very well shot, written and acted comedy satire about society. Yeah. All right. The reason the holdovers would be last on it was for me, I think that's a movie that oddly enough, it got much better as it went on. For a little while, I was like, I don't know if this is that good. And then by the end, it is sort of built up enough steam that I was like,
1: that's fantastic. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, interesting, interesting, interesting. I'm going to go with, from the bottom to the top, Incomplete is obviously poor things. N- number nine, Maestro. Number eight, Anatomy of a Fall. Number seven, The Zone of Interest. Number six, American Fiction. Number five, Past Lives. Number four, Barbie. And then Ron and I have the same top three. Three, Killers of the Flower Moon. Two, The Holdovers. And one, Oppenheimer. I think that's where I'm at. I've switched this around a couple of times. Yeah. I switched it around before I said it. We talked about this on our Hangout with the patrons. I had past lives in American Fiction swaps. And for a while, I had Killers of the Flower Moon at two.
2: Yeah, I mean, like, talk to me tomorrow. I, c- I could probably knock Killers up to two as well, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Sure. So,
1: I think the the main thing here, and we, and we talked about this on, on the Hangout. It might have been before you guys showed up. But th- if anything, this this list shows it's, it was a stellar year for films. Yeah, it was Even good. Even if there are fewer films and people aren't going as much, and the overall output's down, the top, the cream was really strong. This was a really strong year. Almost all the (laughs) movie sizes in the top 10 are terrific. And was it like really like the
2: first like real coming out of the pandemic year? Probably.
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, even though some of these movies were shot. Yeah. They said it would take like two years because movie development takes a while.
2: Yeah. And that's the bummer is that now the next year or two is going to be affected by the strike and all that, you know. Right. We're back in the hole. Neither here nor there. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, like, it was like, there are a lot of, like, and you can make a case, I mean, at least for all the movies I saw, like, you can make a case for why these are all nominated and to be considered. Yeah. We don't have, like, a lot of thematically similar films or anything like that. Like, they're just, you know, really kind of fascinating, the depth and breadth of the past year of, the, of movies, so.
1: Yeah, I mean, even Maestro, which I had at my on at the bottom, I thought was worthwhile and interesting and really well made. So, like, all yeah. these movies are really well made, interesting films. I saw all of them, but Maestro and Past Lives in the theaters. Not a ton of movies, but all the movies I saw were quite good in the theaters. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm looking forward. I think it's a strong year. I think Oppenheimer is far and away the best picture. And I think it's odds on it's going to win the best picture, not Oscar. Yeah. Sagman Bennett,
0: Robbins, Oppenheimer, and Taft. (laughs) Every time someone says it. Sagman Bennett,
1: Robbins, Oppenheimer, and Taft. If you know that, you're old. That is the ranking of the best picture nominees. I think you're right, Ron. Look how different these films are. They're very yeah. different, and they're very—they're yeah. all really good. Which is very
0: different than how We described the films over the past three, four years. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it was last year, but the year before, it's just like, there's nothing here. Yep. Like there was one year it was just nothing here. That was the uh, no. The, the streaming Land year was year. rough. Right. The streaming right. year yeah. was rough. Yeah. 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 What was the Francis Bick Dorman movie? Nomad Nomadland Nomadland
1: Yeah. 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 Nomadland. yeah. 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 Yep. I mean, have you even thought about that movie again?
0: No, <sighs> no one has, and and right. and you know, Frances McDormand is a goddamn American treasure genius, but no,
1: no. <laughs> Chloe Zhao is really good. She's a really good shooting films, but that movie just didn't register me at all. That was a bad year for up movies, obviously for all the obvious reasons. Mm. All right, well, and at least Ron and I are very excited for the Oscars in a month, so. <laughs> Looking forward to watching those.
2: So the Screen Actors Guild Awards are going to be on Netflix at the end of this month. That's right. I did yeah. know that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I do enjoy the jockeying of who gets, you know, all the all the lead-up that's awards true. and how that does and everything. But yeah, but I, I do think, I mean, like, barring, I mean, I, you never know. I mean, like, something something like Barbie or something like Holdovers could sneak up and take it from Oppenheimer, I think. Or may, or even, even poor things. They might have like,
1: to give it to Barbie because of the director problem. It is the yeah. ranked choice voting for the best picture, so that always throws things into the slightly yeah, of chaos. Yeah. And
2: that's why something like poor things could squeak through,
1: too, you know? True. Yep. especially the last couple of years since they expanded the academy and it's a lot more younger and, and diverse international members. You know, you had uh, parasite and moonlight and films that traditionally wouldn't have won best picture. Yep. So it's, it'll be interesting to see. And if you're a patron again at patreoncom slash FM, but we have our yearly Oscars pool. We do it every year, but we got to do that. We Thank all you. join up and have an Oscars pool for bragging rights. There's no prize, but bragging rights, which are important. Yeah. And uh, it's fun. It's fun.
0: I'm not good at seeing movies. I'm not good at recognizing which movies are going to win. I come in last every year, and I hate it.
2: Yeah, well, I guess that's the thing is that like it's it's the Oscar pool or the Oscar voting. that You got two kind of people, yeah. the people who were like picking. This is what I want to win, right? right? And then, that's then not the point the, in the pool. Then there's the the <laughs> anticipating. Well, how is the Academy going to vote? Like that's yeah. See, that, so. the,
0: the thing is, like I understand that, but I have no idea how the Academy votes. Nor right. do I care to put any thought into it. And then half the time, I'm just like, I don't know see
1: i start calling all members you know, around uh, january <laughs> i start making a lot of phone just, calls just a poll just, yeah, just, yeah, just, you know, just <laughs> a temperature check just a temperature check
0: who are you and why do you call me every year <laughs>
1: every year just Ma'am, real quick what do you think <laughs> you can't see picture? me right now but i have a
0: fedora <laughs> with a little card in the hat pan so it's present. <laughs> i'm gonna need you to answer these questions
1: <laughs> it's more legitimate than the Hollywood form press association all right so oh, that was funny that's funny. it for this week's show <laughs> um Thank you for listening as always. Thanks for being a patron. If you are one, you unlocked this show. You also unlocked our other Splode shows, the Talk Splode and the Book Splode shows. All those shows were unlocked by the patrons at patreon.com slash iFanboy. Consider being one today. That's how the shows keep getting made. It's how the lights stay on. And we do appreciate it because none of us want to live in the night country. We like having lights. But again, every every week you can listen to Josh and I and sometimes special guests talk about the week's new comics on iFanboy.com and the Pick of the Week show. You can listen to Ron every week on um, Android Faithful. I keep trying yeah. to say all about Android. It keeps starting to come out of my tongue, and I have to keep nope, knocking it No, I know. It's
2: muscle memory. I will say, though, while I'm doing Android Faithful, I do have a hard time with on um, doing the outro. I'm like, email <laughs> us a
0: contact that I oh, damn it. I, <laughs> still, like, huh? there's,
2: there's still such a muscle memory to going into all the iFamily no, outro sure. stuff. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: That makes me happy. Yeah, it's, it's, it torments
2: it me. <laughs>
1: well, well, hold, no, well, hold on. <laughs> we'll be back next month with another show. Maybe we'll be talking about the shows we need to watch that John, that Ron mentioned earlier. We'll I think
2: forward. I think that'd be a fun conversation. To be like what's what's on the like what's like the the to read pile for, in comics. What's on the to watch list? The you way know? that makes that
1: compelling is at the end of it, everyone has to get assigned something to watch, and they have to watch at least one episode before the next. That's
2: episode That's fair. I'll do that. I'm in on it. I like that. You don't have to, to commit to the game. whole
1: thing, but you have to watch at okay. least the first episode of the. Thing. Yeah, that's, that's cool. That the other two guys assigned to you from your list. I'm down with that. All right, All we'll right. do that. That'll be next month's show.
2: We're producing the show live on the show. <laughs> that's that's what
0: people don't That's producing. You don't understand.
1: <laughs> There's a show. For that.
0: There I am. 2 a.m., coke to the gills. <laughs> Haven't even read The Treatment. Haven't read The Treatment.
1: <laughs> we'll be back next month. Until then, I'm Connor. I'm Ron. Josh Flanagan. I remember when we were driving, driving in your car Speed so fast I felt like I was drunk City lights stay out before And your arms felt nice, wrapped round my shoulder And I, I, had a feeling that
0: I belong I, I, had a feeling I could be someone Be someone, be someone